0: Welcome to the Innovating Purpose podcast, where I'm striving to live intentionally and seeking clarity for new and young readers. I want us to consider the beauty of this holy pause that we have just partaken in. I love being out in creation, and I love when the world seems to take a little breath. I think we need more breaths in this uh, world right now. Yes, you can hear the busyness in the background, but I can also hear the stillness. I've heard some mention on Sundays, could you give us more time in open worship? (laughs) And I really appreciate that because it is so beautiful out here and we won't always have this weather. I mean, we could pray for it, but I think the day is coming and I know it well that uh, we need to enjoy it. So I'm going to pause in my prayer and just repeat after me under your mask in a whisper. Maybe you're whispering to yourself. Uh, But it's a it's referring to our relationship with the Lord. So let's whisper these things together. Lord Jesus, bring us peace. Lord Jesus. I trust in you. Thank you for this day. Don't let me waste it. Open my ears, open my heart, open my mind to believe, to hear, and to know that God is good. Thank you for these moments, Lord. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Well, as we said at the beginning of the service, but maybe you missed it, we do have some Bibles that are available, and it's totally okay for you to slip up a hand real fast and say, I'd like one of those Bibles. Here's my offer. If you need a Bible or you want to be in the same uh, translation that I'm using, this is your opportunity, so you don't want to miss it, and this is yours to keep or yours to give away if you would like one. So please get a hand up if you would like to have one today. I can't see those hands online, but um, I know they're all asking for one, so could you make that happen, Diane? Thanks. (laughs) Well, as we begin today, we are continuing in our series in the book of John, a beautiful passage, and we are continuing and still in chapter 14, and we're towards the end of the passage here today. I want us to begin with the simple, yet oh so complicated thought. How do we arrive at peace? How do you arrive at peace? How are you peaceful in your neighborhood? How does a city arrive at peace? How does a state arrive at peace? How does a nation arrive at peace? Complicated subject, right? I think we could spend the better part of a semester in school and we would only scratch the surface. And I think we may even just be talking about peace but it's another thing entirely, to arrive at peace. To think this more thoroughly through, I was considering a child. A child that has just recently gotten comfortable with a swimming pool. Maybe they know the doggy paddle. Maybe they're able to at least tread water to stay afloat. And I imagine this child has never done the beautiful, exciting, exhilarating moment of jumping into the pool. If you've ever watched most children, there are some kids that'll just jump no matter what. And you have to watch them like a hawk because they'll dive in when nobody's watching. But most children, they get to the edge. There's that contemplation There's the risk involved. Usually it takes an adult, a trusted adult, to stand there and and encourage them. It's okay. You can trust me. I'll catch you. I won't let you drown. I won't let you fail. I'll be right here. I'll support you right in this moment. You can be at peace that I'm right here. Does that reassure the child every time? that grandiose speech from a parent or an adult. There's still that thought of, should I really jump? And there's that wonderful moment where in the spirit of the child, they're, at peace, with, they're at, at peace with the terms. They're at peace with the agreement. I can trust this individual, I'll take the jump. And there's that moment of error. And then once they do it once, be ready adults. We know what's coming, now it's thousands of times. And it's exciting every time, but they're at peace with it. And I think we forget what it means to be at peace and and understanding things because we've already arrived at a conclusion. Well, if you've ever seen an Olympic diver they really have to be at peace with the training and the preparation. You would never take a toddler up to the Olympic diving threshold and wait at the bottom and say, jump, I'll catch you. That's bad in all kinds of ways for the child and for the adult. If you caught them, you know it wouldn't go well. We would never ask a child to jump from that height without training, without preparation, how to land correctly. Certainly that's not where you try to do a belly flop. Well, we often speak of peace and we often throw up the peace sign and we often want peace so desperately, but isn't it hard to actually get to peace. A few thoughts came to my mind. When you are at peace with an issue or with a person, it usually means that you have thoroughly thought through the situation and you trust them, or it ends in a state of defeat, a giving up. Of what you want. And I came to this conclusion that peace, however, never is arrived at accidentally. You don't just arrive at peace, it takes work, it takes agreement, it takes trust, it takes a laying down of self and self interest. But unfortunately, in this world, there's the other option. I've got bigger guns, I've got bigger weapons, and I'll make peace happen. How often do we see the threat of war and the threat of doom is sometimes how we arrive at peace, or heaven forbid that we actually fire our weapons to get to peace A few thoughts. One from Alan Locos says, We cannot force the development of mindfulness. We cannot force the development of mindfulness. George Shaw says, Liberty means responsibility. That is why most men dread it. This week I was studying because I needed encouragement. This week I was studying because I need peace. This week I was studying because I hope that you will find more peace in your life. And as we study Jesus and as we get into John chapter 14, verses 22 through 31, we see that Jesus was leading us towards ultimate peace. Peace that can only be arrived at when the savior stepped into creation and made a way to peace. Up until Jesus's final moments, he was doing the will of God. He was reminding the disciples of what they had to look forward to. But yes, he was staying the course. He was choosing to be peaceful. And it's hard to fathom when he knew what he knew. Let's open God's word together. John 14, 22. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself to us and not the world at large? Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. My father will love them. And we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things while, now while I am still with you. But the Father sends the advocate as a representative, that is the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I am going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really loved me, you would be happy that I am going to the Father who is greater than I am. I have told you these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you will believe. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. It's a great segue into the anticipation of where we will be headed in weeks to come on these passages. As I've been landing on this passage many times this week, I've been fascinated at what Jesus seeks to accomplish in these final moments. He doesn't, he doesn't share what they need to do. He doesn't get into the nitty-gritty details of what, how difficult it will become. He reminds them again of the Holy Spirit. He reminds them again of the advocate that is to come. He reminds them of what it will look like to have peace And the only way to arrive at peace is to be in a right relationship with God. I think it's crucial that we understand that God is asking us to love him by keeping his commandments. We saw that last week. We were reminded that his commandments, those who love God, will keep his commandments so your obedience is crucial to express your love for God. Let me say it again. Your obedience is crucial for you to be able to express your love of God. Are you obediently listening to the Lord? The passage is so beautiful and the mystery and the, the beauty of the Holy Spirit, as we can see articulated. It says that the Holy Spirit will teach you everything. Not just a little, it's everything. Do we believe that the Holy Spirit will teach us everything? Do we pray, Lord, would you teach me more? But he also will remind you of God's principles. The Holy Spirit is there to help you remember reminding you of the principles and to teach you everything. So when you say, I don't get it, God, I don't understand why this is the way it is. You're in good company. I think most of us have had moments where we've said, I don't get this, God. This is an opportunity as Jesus is instructing us, pray to the Lord He helps us in the midst of our unbelief. He helps us in the midst of confusion and struggle. And verse 27 is the verse of the week really for me because he is offering us the gift of peace. It is a gift. Humans do not arrive at peace on their own. We find ways to argue over everything. I've seen people argue over things I, can't, I don't even wanna get into. It's just fascinating. We find new ways to get mad at each other, but we don't find ways to say, Lord, help me to be at peace with this individual. Not just so that we'll be good friends, but that, so that they will see the Holy Spirit coming out of my mouth. They will see that I'm patient. They'll see that I I wait to use my words and I don't just speak. This whole passage brings to mind the complexity of forgiveness as well. The simplicity, but also the complexity. You see, forgiveness is unfathomable. What, what Jesus set out to do was to forgive all mankind in one transaction. Generation after generation after generation had sacrificed animals and, and done the right things and followed the rules and paid attention to the law. And Jesus came to pay the price, a covenantal change with his people, so that he knew we could never fix our brokenness. We could never be completely forgiven based on the old system. He came in to transform the covenant. He came to to say, my blood will be poured out for you. My body will be broken for you, and this will pay the price eternally. This is unfathomable. He tore down the wall of the old covenant and brought in a new covenant. And he reminds us, yes, I'm going away, but it's good that I do because I'm going to send you one that will teach you everything and will remind you of my principles and my commandments. So I want to take a quick time out, as I call it here because I want you to recognize that I still have questions as I wrestle with passages. And as I try to ask the Lord, what would you have me ask this week? What are some things that I need to wrestle with? The question that came to my mind is, why didn't Jesus establish an earthly kingdom and truly show us how a king is supposed to rule on this earth? The disciples wanted it. Everybody expected it. They all thought he was going to set up a kingdom. They were ready for him to set up his kingdom. When they read the Old Old Testament, they read the scriptures, they, they saw this coming Messiah, but they truly thought he was going to grab that throne and put on that crown and grab that scepter and really teach those Romans something. But he didn't. And I know in my spirit that it was better for God to show himself, to, re- to reveal himself. But I still want to leave you with these questions. Why do we think we need a leader that will conquer? Do we really think in our humanness that a leader is put on this earth to conquer the earth? Or should they lead us towards peace? Isn't it better to lead from a posture of peace? I was reading the queries of uh, friend's testimonies and questions that are asked. And the 20th one, the last one is a difficult one to process. And you can look at these questions yourself, but the last part of the 20th query says, do you find appropriate ways to work towards peace? Do you find appropriate ways? And the last question that stirs me, why did Jesus choose to be a servant leader? When I see the example of Christ, does it position me in such a way that I say, shouldn't I be a servant leader like Christ. Kenny said something and I don't think he can take all the credit for it. I think he was saying from someone else. So this is a quote from a quote from a quote. So I don't get any credit, Kenny doesn't. I don't know who gets the credit. But if we were to change our title and we were to put servant instead of pastor. So if I was the lead servant. If Kenny was the associate servant. Worship servant, children's servant, youth servant, managerial servant, administrative servant. Could you imagine how that should change your perspective? So maybe you need to change your title as you ask Jesus. I see that you were a servant and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but this is how you ask us to live. Let's go to some, some more thoughts as we get back into the passage. Some things that have led me to action and are pointing me towards action are more and more scripture that has pushed me this week. I'm often, I look around the world and I, see, I think the enemy is winning. Is any, can I get an amen to that where you think the enemy is winning? Isn't it frustrating when we see this around us? Well, how can the enemy have that win? How can the enemy advance in this way? God, do you see this? And the more I cry out, even when I have a microphone attached to my face and I can get real, real loud and I can say, God, do you see this? Yet if... I, I know that God can be in a relationship and be right beside me, and God is with us right in this moment. He's everywhere all at once. But I often think about myself as an itty bitty little piece of sand. <laughs> and that God is up on a distant planet. And he says, well, what's that little piece of sand? When I don't think it's working the way it should, I am seeing from the perspective of a very, very small person. God's ways are not my ways. (laughs) His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. When things break my heart, are they the things that break God's heart? And how much more does it break the heart of God when He sees His children turn away, people start wars, when people are violent and angry and abusive and do terrible, nasty, wicked things? God sees. I don't know if you've turned to the final pages of Scripture recently. Let me give you the footnote version God wins. His love, his righteousness wins. And although I don't know what's gonna happen from 2020 till that time, I do know that he is worthy of my trust. He has never failed me yet. And although times have been bleak and I have been frustrated, he has never failed me. And yes, I can look in hindsight. And yes, that is 2020. You can see in the perspective of what yesterday meant now. But do we submissively say, God, I lay this before you because you are worthy of my trust. And I will seek to find ways to be full of peace. I love to think that God's plan is over my head. Do you ever just take a moment to recognize that God's plan is way outside of your ability to think it through? No matter how detailed or how prophetic I may think my little plan and my ways may be, God's ways (laughs) are so much better. They're pure and they're good. And the depth of perspective that God has, and he has always had, and he will have, he is perfect in in every way, and in every circumstance. So wouldn't I then take the posture of servant? Wouldn't I then take the posture of submission to the Lord? Because Jesus' way, this new covenantal way that he's bringing in, this love story that he wrote in, the way that he brought us back into relationship by sending his son to die on the cross, to live a perfect life for us, to raise from the dead. This is the new covenant and it is available to each one of us. So he says, when this Holy Spirit is, is going to come into you for those that believe, this is Beautiful. This is miraculous. This is unfathomable. But yet, it's true. And this new system, it has no racial division. This new system is for everyone. This new system that Jesus created opens the kingdom doors to anyone who will believe and they're wide open and there will be a lot of people that tell you all these different paths get to God but Jesus says there's only one way there's only one truth and there's only one life yes the gate is open and it is very clear that it leads to Jesus Don't chase all these other things because in our humanness we think so many other ways we can get to God, but it is clear that we must be on the path to God. I want to read from two passages that have really helped me see it more clearly Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34. You might be thinking, Jeremiah? Yeah, it's a good one. So. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord, but this is the new covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. Are we ready? Do we hear this? I will put my law within them. Holy Spirit, anybody? I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. This is the promise from Jeremiah and he was foretelling the Messiah who would come in the New Testament, who would bring life. And he also said that the Holy Spirit, God, would live within you. This is the days of Jeremiah where it was bleak. Everyone was turning to their wicked ways. Jeremiah could have been talking to a rock for his entire ministry. No one listened to him. And then in Romans chapter 8, Verses 5 through 8, those who are dominated by sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Do you think about things that please the Spirit? That's my add-in. That's not Scripture. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God, and it never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of the sinful nature can never please God. So if you are under control of your sinful nature, that that means that you do not have the Lord with you. You are not submitting your life. You have not asked the Holy Spirit in. Now, when you accept the Lord into your life, if you take that brave step, that does not mean perfection for the rest of your days, but it should change the way you view things. It should change what your main purpose in life is. It's not to please self anymore. It's to draw closer and closer to God and the Holy Spirit, the promptings that the Holy Spirit does. You should not desire sin anymore. Sin ends in death. The Holy Spirit, God, ends in life, brings life to your bones, to your eternal soul and your state. I love to think and to see that God is revealing his true intentions through Jesus in these moments. He's directly manifesting himself in these moments. He is revealing his true nature to the disciples. Do you see this in John 14? He wasn't masking it anymore. They say, where's the father? Who is the father? He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Whoa, he just declared he was God. Yep. God the father Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are the perfect trinity. They're on the same team. They are all three in one. They are perfectly united in purpose and in peace and in direction and in momentum. They are in agreement. Whoa. He is blowing their minds at this point. And this is, remember, just a message for the disciples. This is not on the side of a hill spoken to thousands of people. This is Jesus declaring, I am God. I am the Son of God. And I am sending God through the Holy Spirit to live in you, the advocate who will help you remember. The Holy Spirit agrees with, the, with Jesus in both his teachings and his actions. You see, God sent the advocate, the Holy Spirit, as our internal guide. He is our compass that always points true north. So if you are hearing from God, then it will align with the scriptures. Let me say that again. If you are hearing from God, then it will align with the scriptures. It will not disagree with what scriptures say. If you're chasing something of this world, that's not what the Holy Spirit would have you chase. The Holy Spirit must point you to God. It must point you to loving your neighbor. It must point you towards seeking a relationship with God. It must point you towards the commandments because they are good. So if you're chasing these other things of the world, that's not the Holy Spirit prompting you to chase them. Ask the Lord, direct my thoughts, prompt me of your way and help me to hear clearly the advocate, the Holy Spirit within me. We are offered three things in this passage. Verse 27, we see that we are offered peace. Verses 28 and 29, you see that we are offered joy. And in verses 30 through 31, we are offered security. These are beautiful things for you to pray for. Lord, would you give me peace today? Lord, would you help me to have joy today? Lord, would you give me security today? The peace that I prayed for you all this week is a deep peace. It's a shalom peace. It's a a peace of the bosom. It is freedom from trouble. It is tranquility of mind. It is composure. It is calm in life, but it is also assurance. The peace that I've prayed for you all is that it, it would be reconciled with one another. The peace of God brings reconciliation every time. my hope is that you will have relationships that are restored, not by good works or intentions of man, but you will see clearly and articulately that God has restored you into beautiful, wonderful relationship because of his grace, his redemption, and the peace that only he can bring. Anybody else praying for peace with a relationship right now? somebody you need to have peace with. Look to these words and ask the Lord to to use you as a vessel of peace. Anyone want to know peace for the first time today? Maybe today is the moment that you say, Jesus, I need this peace that you offered. I want this Holy Spirit that comes within me and brings me peace. Let me tell you this, the Holy Spirit is available to you right now and I want to pray for you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I I don't know the hearts of each and every man, woman, and child that is here today, but I agree that with your your Holy Spirit, that you would love for us to be at peace with you, God, not thinking of ways to get even, not thinking of ways to make things right on our own terms, but that we would be able to say to you, God, this peace that Jesus offers through through redemption, through forgiveness, I believe in you, Jesus, and I trust that you offer this peace to everyone. I don't want this peace just for tranquility and making my mind more pleasant place to live. But because I want my soul secure in relationship with you, Jesus, would you give us that kind of peace? Peace that breaks down barriers, peace that restores relationship that is impossible to restore in human terms. So that when we get this peace, Lord, we would recognize that it is straight from you when we pray for this kind of peace, Lord, that we would know it came from your throne and we would give you all the praise and the glory. You are worthy, Lord. We are grateful, Lord. God, you are worthy and we love you. As I say amen, may all of God's people say God is good. Amen.